This is the Douglas Robin Show. Welcome to the Den of Discussion. I'm your host, Douglas Robbins. Today we have a very special woman uh, that I'm excited to speak with today. She was She's worked on Broadway for over 10 years as an entertainment publicist on shows from A Raisin in the Sun with Denzel Washington to School of Rock to Cats. And now she's transitioning to more of a spiritual seeker and tarot card reader, which she actually read a tarot card at Burning Man. Uh, and later in the show, she's going to read my tarot card. So welcome, Emily McGill. How are you? I'm good, Doug. How are you? Good, good, good. So nice to have you. You seem like, you know, you were doing the Broadway thing, and I'm sure that was like a passion for many years. And mm -hmm. it seems like, and I think a lot of people are going through this sort of transition right now of, yes, you know, trying to find more meaning, spiritual, purposeful. Um, maybe talk us through that that transition, if you will, you obviously were with Broadway for many years, which mm -hmm. many people would think is, is a dream job. Yes. And maybe still is. Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here talking with you. Pleasure. Um, I, yes, for the longest time had a singular ambition, which was to work on Broadway. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I didn't know what opportunities would be available to me, but I knew well, it was at first because okay. I only knew that that's what you could do. Ah, you know, right, right. I only knew about being on stage and then like your stage crew. That's really yeah. the only comprehension I had of it to the point that I went to college for performing. My degree is a, in singing, dancing and acting. Yeah. And I haven't used it since, <laughs> you know, since the first year I was in New York and I auditioned. But I knew that I wanted to be on the business side of the business even before I graduated from college. I just didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. So I didn't know about this full ecosystem that exists of advertising, marketing, publicity, accountants, lawyers, um, you know, general and company management, stage management, group sales, uh, tourism, right? There are all these different components yeah. now. And now like, you know, obviously digital is such a big part of it and social and engagement marketing and things like that. So you see this huge ecosystem of opportunity. And I just happened to land in a PR office after interning at all these different places, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was, you know, when I was first applying for jobs, I was like, all right, well, that sounds remotely interesting. Let's do it. Right. That sounds like it might be cool. I'm going to apply. And so I was just applying to anything and everything yeah. that sounded cool. And I was also like, getting you know close to the end at a lot of these interviews um i was like up for a job at caa i thought maybe i was going to go into the agent route yeah um i'm not a shark by nature so you know I, that I'm, I'm kind of thrilled that that didn't work out right, yeah, right. <laughs> um but around that same time i walked into a pr office and you know i was just like oh this is home like i know i knew huh. one i think one person that worked in the office already that i had met but otherwise i was like oh i know all these people like i know i know how i fit in here hmm. and it just I, seemed right it clicked yes it was yeah. exactly right and i loved it and i was there for about three years before my uh boss had you know shut down the company he was moving on and at that point, I went and worked on uh, Raisin in the Sun with Denzel. But prior to that, it was like Billy Elliot, Memphis the Musical, which both won the Tony Award for Best Musical. Mm. Um, I opened a couple of shows, uh, Ghost the Musical, First mm. Date, which was a really kind of small show that opened in the middle of the summer, but you know, ran for six months, which was big for a show of that size. Yeah. Um, you know, so I had some really awesome experiences and then I got thrown into this other job that was like really intense. You're working with celebrities at the level of Denzel Washington. So you have sure. to be on the top of your game. And I learned as much, if not more, in like the nine months I was in that office as I did in the three years prior. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also felt like there was an opportunity to sort of take my love of Broadway and expertise elsewhere and was poached by DKC, which was a pretty sizable PR agency, um, as their in-house Broadway person. Hmm. 
So I went sort of like out into the real world is sort of how it felt away from Broadway. Yeah. Um, and started working on all kinds of different things. I worked on films. I worked on HBO documentaries, um, streaming stuff, you know, lots of digital online stuff. We worked with Fathom Events anytime they brought a, a Broadway show to the big screen. I did like the Nobel Peace Prize concert. Wow. I worked with a troupe of male strippers. I mean, it was really princess <laughs> yeah. cruises. It was like so across the board. It was so yeah. many different things. And I learned pretty quickly, even though I was there for three and a half years, that I do not like PR. Hmm. I actually okay. hate it. I hate stalking the but You were like a rock star, it seems like. And it was, I just happened to be good at it, but I yeah, didn't yeah. enjoy it. I understand. And when I left that company and started my own business, I only knew how to do PR. So that's right. sort of where I started. Yeah. And over the last several years of owning my business, it's been like, okay, well, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? What do I want to be doing? And back when I was working on A Raisin in the Sun, my grandmother passed away and she and I were very close. She mm. was an incredibly complicated woman. There was a lot of generational trauma and, you know, stuff that had been passed on. Um, and she did as best as she could with the tools that she had, but she yeah. wasn't well-resourced. Yeah. And when she died, it was really hard for me. It was a big struggle. And I started therapy. Yeah. And that was the best gift I ever could have given myself. And my therapist is also who introduced me to tarot. Oh, really? Okay. So the journey started back in 2014 is when I was really first introduced to the idea of tarot. Yeah. Um, we would pull a card during the session if I didn't know what to do. If I was like, uh, oh, I'm not sure what direction I want to go with this. Yeah. She would have me pull a card and we yeah. would explore it. And um, when I was looking for a daily practice for myself a few years later, she said, why don't you start pulling a card daily? And I was like, well, I don't have a deck. So she said, download an app, right? There's an app for everything. So yeah. I downloaded an app. I started pulling a card every day. And it became a practice for myself that it was just like, this is like a theme to keep in mind today or some, you know, might be where I think I am. I wasn't really sure what was happening yet. Yeah. Um, and then in January of 2020, I had the best month to date in my business. Okay. And I could not have been more miserable. Hmm. I was. Isn't hating... that interesting how it goes hand in hand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was hating the stuff I was working on. I was hating stalking the media and just like trying to get placements and just not succeeding. It was exhausting and demoralizing. And so yeah. when the pandemic hit, it was actually a gift for me. Because yeah. it allowed me the opportunity to step back and slow down and say, okay, I don't have to push so hard in the direction that I don't want to be going. Now I have, you know, the, with the way live entertainment and Broadway and I'm in New York City. So the way it shut down here, there was a lot of time to sit and think. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was a, a great opportunity to reconsider how I got to where I was and whether I wanted to keep going in that direction. And the answer yeah. was no, but I didn't know where I wanted to go from there or what I, you know, specifically I wanted to do. I just knew that before, shortly before the pandemic, I was gifted my first hard copy, physical copy of a tarot deck. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to start helping other people by doing readings for them. Cause it was really hard to do that on my phone. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I started I started reading for friends and acquaintances and you know, word of mouth and then of course everything went digital, so we were doing all of it online. Um and the last several years now I've been shifting more towards what it is that um that also lights me up. See, you know, I think the pandemic part of the gift of the pandemic for me was that when this singular identity and ambition of Broadway was stripped away, it was like, what's left? Yeah. Who am I? What else do I love? What else lights mm -hmm. me up? And I got, I got a beautiful opportunity to explore that. And I was like, Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. And so now I'm working on integrating all of those facets of myself into every aspect of my daily existence. Yeah. And obviously that's where, 
satisfaction is in purpose and feeling a more meaningful, you know, day-to-day -day experience. But I want to back up for a little bit, if that's sure. okay. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I heard a great saying recently, and it really struck a chord with me. And that was, you know, often we have an idea of what we think we should be doing with our lives. So for instance, mm -hmm. when I was younger, I thought I should have been a baseball player and some mm -hmm. things derailed me. And that really plagued me for a long time. And then what the person was saying was, you often think you know the purpose when, for lack of a better word, I'm going to use the word God, mm -hmm. God has his own purpose for yes. you or the divine or source or whatever yes. you want to call it. And it's like, and that's the one that usually is waiting for you mm -hmm. to sort of wake up or open up or have the other thing kind of fall by the wayside. And, um, you know, again, baseball didn't happen for me for a variety of reasons. And mm -hmm. it still weighs on me at times that it didn't happen. Um, but I understand the bigger picture now. Right. I'd like to back up with you for a second because it seemed, where did you come from? You, I grew not, up in Pittsburgh, but I've Pittsburgh. been in New York for 15 years. So okay. this is so absolutely home. So you grew up in Pittsburgh, you come to the Big Apple, you make it happen, mm -hmm. right? Which is, you know, the big city is, is not for the faint of heart, right? No, I also um, had a whole lot of support. So the privilege that I had and ha and continue to have in how yeah. that, that absolutely is a huge part of why I've been able to make it happen. Always. And I know power of community is very important. So we're going we're gonna to get to that yeah. in just a little bit. but. So you go to New York City, you're, you're, you're laser focused, you make it happen. All these doors open, obviously you're working to make them happen. Mm -hmm. And that's off, often the key of any success, right? Knocking on those doors, believing, taking the actions, putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. So that seemed to be as a kid growing up, I'm going to go to the Big Apple, I'm going to be a, a Broadway star. Mm -hmm. And that shifted a bit when you got there that you realized maybe the acting part wasn't the yeah. Part. I mean, even before I got here, I, mm. I, I've, uh, my brother has a really interesting story too. He moved to New York when he was 17. He was a junior in high school <clears throat> to make his Broadway debut as a performer. And oh, he, awesome. yeah. And he was here doing eight shows a week, understudy rehearsals. I mean, the whole nine yards while trying to finish his junior year of high school. Oh, that's, Wow, still in high school doing that. Yes. Wow. And my okay. mom lived with him for the first semester, but she's a teacher, so she had to go back to school. Yeah. So, you know, here he is living in New York <laughs> by himself at 17, living this life. Yeah. They won the Tony Award for Best Revival. My and goodness. three weeks later, the show closed because okay. they couldn't sell their theater, you know? And at the time, like I had no understanding of the economics or the concept or how any of that happened, but I saw that my brother who was not yet a senior in high school was eating cottage cheese for dinner because that's what his, you know, his show closed and he didn't have another job and he was auditioning yeah. left and right, but he was living in New York. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, I don't want that to be my life. Yeah. I don't want to go from, you know, my show closes. So now I need to go find another job. Most and importantly, you want to eat cottage cheese. I will never eat cottage cheese. No. The texture doesn't do it for no. me, but <laughs> You know, but and and fast forward, and now I'm laughing because here I am. I own my own business. I'm a freelancer, a solopreneur. I it is that very much like when one client wraps up, like you know that pipeline of client work and everything. But yeah. I, I have a different perspective of it now because it's also it's my business. I'm the one making the decisions. It all falls to me. Whereas as an actor or as a performer, so often you are hopeful that you're the one that they want when you walk in the door and that you check all of the boxes that they need to check, but it's still, it's out of your hands. You don't yeah. have the power. Yeah. So there's, um, there was absolutely something in that, that like clicked for me, even though I was not even a senior in college. I think I was, a, it was the summer between my junior and senior year of college and where it was his junior and senior year of high school. And he, I was just like, yeah, I'm not, this is not what we're doing here. Yeah. Or, you know, it might've been a year difference, but I was like, Oh, this is, I don't want that experience. Yeah. I don't want, um, and I had so many talented friends that weren't working. And mm -hmm. I was like, if I can be on the side that helps them 
work and like get jobs and do things. Like I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very much, it was, it had already been a decision for me before I moved here that I didn't want to be on stage. Yeah. And uh, granted, I still auditioned for the first year I was here because there was that essence, that sense of if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And I just want to know that I've done it to know that I, you know, I did the thing I said I wanted to do. Right. 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 Um, And I would get to the final callbacks. It'd be me and somebody else. The other person would get the job every time, Hmm. you know? So there was a sense of self-sabotage in there that like, I didn't actually want the job. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I want to ask you about your grandmother for a second. Yeah. We dive into deep stuff here. Great. Um, your grandmother, it sounds like your family, at least your mother, was incredibly supportive of you and your brother. Mm-hmm. And both it was of your, my parents. Both your parents. Okay. Yeah. Um, so your grandmother was, sounds like a complicated lady, obviously older generation, different mm-hmm. era, a lot more hardships. And I'm sure some mm-hmm. things went on in her life yes. that, that she suffered. Um, was she a big supporter and or the spiritual aspect? Um, was, a, was she a big supporter of yours going to New York City? And then mm-hmm. was she at all connected spiritually, if you will? I grew up Catholic. So there's less of a connection to spirituality and more the uh, dogma traditions and systems and structures of the Catholic yeah. church that yeah. were uh, imposed upon me as, from a very young age and through both sides of my family. You know, my dad's side is Irish and German and, you know, they were very, there was lots of Catholicism uh, on their side. My mom's side, it's like Eastern European and Italian and German. And again, like very Catholic. And yeah. so I mean, my grandmother taught my my paternal grandmother taught at Catholic school. My dad had been in the seminary when he was like in high school and he got kicked out for, mm. you know, who knows what back in yeah. the 70s. Um, yeah. But, you know, like there, it was just it was always church was such a big part of growing up. I mean, I went to Catholic school until I was in seventh grade and I and that my parents only took me out because I had problems with the other kids bullying me and so they were like we're gonna put you in the public school and see if it's any better it wasn't really much better but you know it was um it was always the church was always there we were in, I was in church choir until I graduated from high school oh. even though I didn't even go to Catholic school anymore I mean like it was really I went to a Catholic university my freshman year of college before I transferred into my theater oh, wow. program so it was it was all like laid out for me. Yeah, yeah, it was laid out for me. There's this, yeah. you know, family joke that like when I was like five or something, we were shopping. My mom had to run into the mall and we, I was in the car with my dad and my brother. And I was like, dad, I have to go to the bathroom. And he was like, I'm not sending you into a public restroom by yourself. And I was like, well, can't I use the Catholic one? Because I only knew there were public schools and Catholic <laughs> right. schools. Interesting. So, and it's like, like I, it was just such this, these blinders that were put on me Hmm. that it wasn't until I would say probably by high school, I was like, I don't agree with the belief systems of this church Mm -hmm. and sort of uh, the, a lot of the things that they say are wrong. I disagree with, Um, you know, and then by the time I got to college, I was like really out. I was like, Nope, not having it at all. And, um, and I just had kind of no relationship with my higher power until I got into therapy. And so in a, in a very roundabout way, I think my grandmother is responsible for my spirituality because upon her passing, I was then able to tap into it myself, Mm -hmm. um, and create my own relationship with my higher power, thanks to my processes in therapy. But, um, it was, that was never like encouraged for me as a young person. It was always like, listen to what they say in church you know it's a curious thing because you know you can learn some morals and whatnot in church and um but it's not about spiritual expansion spiritual growth it's about adhering to dogma and Mm -hmm. doctrine um and you know you say you know like (laughs) excuse me when you got into college and she she went to catholic university and that eventually you walked away from the church but it's such an indoctrinated part of our psyche. Oh yeah. How to think, how to process, how to interact, how, you know, 
how to view things. So that must have even taken a while to sort of break those chains. I'm still working on it. Yeah. I'm still working on having a, a perspective that allows for infinite perspectives at any given moment. That it's not just black and white, right and wrong, yes and no, this and that. Like the, yeah. it, the duality mindset that is, uh, I think, a lot of... Um, today's thinking is based on doesn't work for me. And it's a constant battle with myself to remind myself that you don't have to see things that way. You can see however you want to, you can look at it from any direction. So there's, um, and I I still require help with that. (laughs) You know, I still have people I call on to be like, Hey, I need an outside perspective of this because all I can see is with what's within my blinders. Right. But also I'm a, you know, I'm a really deep believer in ancestry and like learning as much as you're capable of learning. Again, I have a lot of privilege because my family came from Europe. So there are a lot of records that we can follow, Mm. you know, back to a certain extent and especially the Germanic records, like Germany was so on top of it with their records. Oh, is that right? I have, I mean, if I, when I went on to ancestry.com, the family lines that are German, like as I can get so far back into like the 1600s with them oh, wow. because the, the record keeping, but uh. so many people don't have that available to them. And still like, you know, now as I've been exploring my own beliefs and my own practices, I've been finding that, oh, well, my family, they had a relationship with this particular saint, okay, well, I can invoke that saint and welcome that saint into my practice without necessarily believing the structure that they, uh, you know, that they believed in. I don't need to believe in the same church, but I can still say, you know, hey, St. Peter, I know that you had a connection with my family at some point in time, um, that that might have fallen off. But I'm just like, I'm just checking in and saying, hey, and saying like, the line doesn't forget you. You know, my grandmother was a, St. Jude was her saint through and through the patron saint of lost causes. Um, my aunt's name was Judy because she was so premature. They didn't think she was going to survive and mm. she did. Um, and then, you know, my, so I, now I have like a candle on my altar for her. That's a St. Jude candle. And, yeah. you know, I always do that for her. Cause I know that that was like so important to her. So, you know, I think about how they interacted with it. And how for them, it was the closest thing they had to spirituality. And I have this opportunity to have expanded it far beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. When you take it out from that realm, then it's then it's free, you know, mm-hmm. so you can speak with St. Jude or St. Michael or whomever it might be um, without all the associations uh, that come with it. Uh, you know, we're not we're not religious. And my daughter often speaks to Archangel Michael, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives her uh, solace. It gives her yep. comfort, you know, um, and I'm a big believer in guides. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's so much out there that we can't see. And therefore, our brain says, no, it doesn't exist. Um, but obviously, through experience and uh awareness, I'm aware of that there's much more um, out there. So, yeah, you know, something you uh, said earlier made me think of this idea that I I keep reminding myself that the universe knows better than I ever will or any of us ever will. Yeah. And so sometimes it doesn't align with our personal preference. Sure. And that's the part that like can suck, (laughs) you know, you're like, oh, well, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do that instead or, you know, yeah. but we see that like the universe is like, Nope, you, this is, this is what, this is where you learn down this path. And you know, it's yeah. like a river. We keep trying to move. Now I want the river over here. It's like, yeah, but the river has got to flow over here. Mm-hmm. You have to be on the river. And, right. and yeah, you, have, you have the freedom to play in the river as you're moving along it. Yeah. Right. You have the capacity to take up yeah. that space and do the things. But, yeah. um, but yeah, you still got to ride. But ride you got to be water. on this river and it's not mm-hmm. moving over there where you want to, where it's comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. Right. We got some it's, rapids to go. That's through. <laughs> not what like about being comfortable and safe. Right. No, no lessons are learned there. That's true. So let's talk about the power of community because this is something I've really 
um, been learning a lot about in the last you know year or so in that mm-hmm. interconnectedness. And this is something that I feel like the American dream fails. Um, the American dream, if you really look at it, it's really based on consumerism, yeah. ownership. And capitalism. Um, capitalism, ownership, buying crap. being and, and I have a line that I say to my wife also uh, often is whatever you own owns you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we're often taught we want the house, we want the picket fence, whatever it might be. But it doesn't teach about spirituality, growth. Uh, healing, evolution, uh, self-care. It doesn't deal with any of these kind of things, which really move the needle forward for humanity. And uh, if I can get back to it, I'm going to be volunteering at a local community center for for older folks who are just kind of lonely. And, you know, to me, like, this is how the world moves forward is interconnectedness. And I, you know, I, I keep coming back to, I done a podcast recently about DNA and that Everything that's alive shares DNA. Even trees outside my mm-hmm. window shares DNA. Slugs, dolphins, we all share DNA. So it's really fascinating to me um, that trees, though they look like they're standing alone, often their root systems are intertwined yes. and interconnected and talking to each other. Yes. And so we, as kids, come from whatever little family, and then our sort of isolation starts growing after that, if you will. You might be in sports and have a team or maybe, you know, do theater and have a, have a group. But as individuals, we're often kind of left in the woods, if you will, to fend for ourselves. And when you get indoctrinated into society, that's why a lot of people are so lonely um, and isolated is because we don't have that type of system built mm-hmm. in. And so I feel like, you know, we're really doing a serious injustice to people. And perhaps some of that is by design. Uh, good worker ants kind of thing, keep people good worker ants. But what is your position? It seems like, you know, spirituality is really connected to the power of community as well. Mm-hmm. With yeah. And you have to be careful because, the, you know, the, the toxic aspects of community can be found in any and every community. Sure. But I think for me, I've especially lately have been finding a distinction because I have been part of, you know, I've been working in the Broadway industry for 15 years. I have had a ton of different experiences with loads of different people of all, you know, casts of this industry. There's a very big difference for me between industry and community. Sure. And I am done playing politics. I am done playing games. I am done pretending I'm anything that I'm not. And so the industry part to me feels disgusting. Like literally it repulses me. Yeah. I, you know, the Tony awards are happening right now. It's like Tony Awards season. Um, the the nominations announcement came out like, I don't know, a week and a half ago. And I forgot that it was Tony nominations day. And as someone whose job it used to be to do that, like that was a really big shift for me. And it was exciting to be like, because I don't want to care as much as I do. Yeah. I don't like knowing, you know, I keep joking that I might not know where your bodies are buried, but I certainly know how to bury the bodies. Yeah. You know, like I know what it takes to do things in this (laughs) industry and I don't Mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. But there are so many people in this community that for whom this industry is their lifeblood that don't have a, you know, feel like they maybe don't fit in or they don't have a place to be, or there isn't an opportunity to gather with like-minded people and just be. And that is something that I am really, really passionate about. And so I have two business partners who uh, co-founded a pop-up dance party that we do for the Broadway and the, the community called Snob Sunday Night yeah, I think on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. And we actually, back when I was a baby publicist, actually before I even got my job in that PR office, and I was still kind of interning, my brother was in Memphis the Musical, and they used to do Snob, but on Saturdays, so Saturday night on Broadway, and it would be mm. drinks in the men's dressing room, and like somebody would bring a cocktail. 
and somebody else would turn on the playlist and we would just like go hang out in the dressing room after the show on a Saturday and have some drinks. And uh, one of my business partners was in the show and he would like make the playlist. And then uh, most of the cast of Memphis went into Motown, the musical, and they started doing it more and more. And they had like a green room and he started really making DJ sets and playing live. And he ended up retiring as a Broadway dancer and going to DJ school. And now is a full-time DJ. And in 2018, we, um, we got together with another awesome Broadway performer and DJ, and she has was like the missing piece that we needed. And we were able to bring Snob to the community, but we moved it to Sundays. Such a ridiculous name, but great. I mean, you know, we brought it to Sundays so that people could actually come out after their show and yeah. not have to go to work on Sunday and do a matinee, yeah. right? So you, you're not going to have a matinee on a Monday. So you have a little more time and freedom to play yeah. um, and like, you know, get a little woozy and like have a good time dancing. Yeah. And we've discovered that it's. And get to relax a little. That's the thing. You're blowing off steam on yeah. the dance floor. You're dancing yeah. because you love it, not because someone's giving you steps to do. Yeah. So it's this beautiful opportunity for people to just show up totally as they are um, and have a safe space to just be. Yeah. And yeah. we do tend to find that most of our community for snob is a young black Broadway community where there isn't as much resource or support within yeah. everyone to say, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. How can I navigate this? How can I do this? So it's a great place for people to come together so that they can hopefully also share resources outside of this, yeah. you know, monthly dance party. You know, a lot of people, that's such an interesting thing because i mean most people don't have anywhere to go right i mean after and obviously the performing on broadway is very intense high pressure i would think um and you have to go back to your life basically so that's nice that people can come together blow off steam talk about whatever yeah. that's community yeah yeah you know we all take you know, I'm sure you've done this and we've all done this. We're having a bad day or whatever. And then we talk to a friend or go laugh with a friend and you feel a million pounds lighter. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it kind of spreads that stuff around and, you know, you're able to switch gears mentally and you're no longer focused on the junk uh, or the baggage or the pressures. And you could just go have some laughs, have some drinks and be human. Yeah. Um, I, I just I find snob such a funny, uh, and I'm sure that's in cheek. <laughs> but um, so let's get. Um, I love that. So uh, Emily's going to read my tarot cards in just a moment. But I love that you're going to. That have you started writing horoscopes? Uh, yeah, I've, I've started doing a few different things. So I do. I write horoscopes uh, for Playbill every month and I use tarot cards to come up with the horoscope. So basically yeah. I pull the cards and then I have another product that I'm working on, which is a Broadway tarot deck. So it's a deck of cards. I using, saw that. Yes. Characters from the musical theater canon That's to brilliant. show you the archetypes. Because if you're yeah. talking about listening to your intuition, following what you know is right, despite what the rest of the crowd is saying, yeah. um, like really tapping into your core, you could be talking about the high priestess, or you yeah. could be talking about Alphaba from Wicked. It's the right. same, right? So <laughs> that's great. So when you have that kind of um, sort of casting available to you, it's yeah. fun to see. And so I've started utilizing that process of casting alongside with these horoscopes. So I'll yeah. pull a card and then find a character that aligns with that card from the canon, um, and then talk about the themes of that character each month for each right. of those zodiac signs. So that's, that's been really fun. That's brilliant and so unique because I mean tarot cards, we have some tarot card decks here. Mm -hmm. Usually it's some like um uh witch looking woman or, or whatever, you know, uh some priestess looking you know woman. So this is a real something that you know even say young young girls can look at or whomever and can look at and know the character and, yeah. and associate um or anyone can, and what a what fun that would be to pick up a Broadway deck with characters, you know. I mean, yes. and putting tarot or spirituality and almost like a baseball card player, you exactly. know, exactly. That's brilliant. Broadway exactly. player. 
Um, I love that. I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be a home run for you. Thank you. Can you use the likeness though? Or how does that work? There is definitely going to be a licensing conversation that needs to happen, you know, rights conversations and things. Um, My dream would be for all of the rights holders to um, sign off on us using, rather than paying each of these rights holders individually, taking a portion of sales and donating it to somewhere like Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, yeah. Or uh, yeah. what is it now? The Entertainment Community Fund, I think is what it's called. It used to be the Actors Fund um, okay. for years and years and years and years. And they like last week or something just rebranded because they help so many more people than actors. So they wanted their name to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to have that be, you know, how we sort of pay it forward, that we're able to give back yeah. to the community in that way. And that hopefully our rights holders... Um, We'll, we'll think that that is a good thing to do. You know, I mean, it's it's very much in development, so yeah. we have a long way to go, but yeah, but, but it's brilliant. The process is happening. Thank I you. I took my cap to, if I was wearing one, I would take my cap to. <laughs> it's a brilliant idea to just merge things that are so unique and special to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, people who love Broadway love Broadway. Yes. You know, and so the characters, the shows mean the world to them. Um, so anyway, yeah. I wish you a, a ton of luck with that. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's exciting. You're a spark plug. You get these things done. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Um, do you want to do the tarot card reading? Let's do it. All right. You, you're going to reveal all my, my secrets to everyone. Well, let's see what you, what do you want to explore today? Oh my goodness. Oh, I have to tell you these things. Well, I think if we're doing a reading, it's always important to have an intention. So whether it is you have a specific question. Well, how about um, this? Expanding, am I on the right track with with a meaningful life? You know, I have a podcast here, which we're, we're obviously speaking on. I'm a writer as well. Um, and I would like to keep expanding them and really connecting with people because, you know, we do ask deeper questions and there are deeper questions that we all need to ask mm-hmm. um, instead of the vitriol and divisiveness of social media and the news that really doesn't get move anybody forward. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what this platform is, um, you know, about everyday people doing amazing things such as yourself, um, unique things. So maybe we inspire some people along the way. So that's all. Am I, am I aligned? Am I doing right? Uh, is the podcast and books are they going to keep you know doing what they're doing? All right. All right, Emily. I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling called to. Uh, we'll do. We'll pull two cards. Okay. One's a yes card and one's a no card. Okay. And remember, some people are only on audio, so please yes. explain whatever you're seeing. Yes. Yes. So um, I also always like to preface a reading by saying that I see tarot as a form of self communication. It's like you have some information in your heart or your gut that hasn't made it to your head yet. So you're texting yourself a meme, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, oh, this is what I'm trying to say to myself. Yeah. And thinking about it in that context gives us the opportunity to just say, okay, this is just a deck of cards. But also these cards are telling me what I know in my core. That whether you want to call it intuition or, you know, your gut or your instinct or just information you hold in there, however you want to put it, we're helping you translate that and give you language for it yeah. by pulling by pulling these cards. Um, and so the other information I like to share uh, first, especially for people who have never had a reading or are not familiar with the tarot, is that the structure of the tarot deck. Because there are two parts. There's the major arcana and the minor arcana. So our major arcana are like our magic cards. When they show up, we want to pay special attention to them. Okay. There are 22 of them. And they correspond to the human soul's evolutionary journey. So we start with the fool, which is zero, the numberless yeah, number. Interrupt. If, you don't, yeah. if it doesn't work out with tarot, it sounds like you're, you, you could be good at shuffling cards <laughs> for Vegas or something. So Yeah, right. Um, my grandmother taught me how to play blackjack. Uh, okay. As soon as I could count to 21, I was five years old. 
we played with pennies because she needed someone to play blackjack. There you go. But sorry, I interrupted. uh, No, no, please. Um, But so these magic cards, you know, when they show up, we want to, we want to pay special attention to them. And we start with the fool leaping on a new journey, very trusting, very naive, ready to go. Um, You know, you, you can, they, they call the fool the fool because again, no matter how many times the fool is proven wrong, the fool will still trust and will still say yes. And will still, you know, step forward into possibility. Mm-hmm. And they go all the way up through the world, which is the whole completion energy, you know, very much the end of that cycle. Then we also have the minor arcana, which is kind of like a deck of playing cards. So you have four suits, ace through ten. And then you'll have four court cards instead of three. So you'll have a king and a queen, a knight and a page. Sometimes you'll see prince and princess. Sometimes this deck we're using today will have father, mother, son, and daughter. Um, There isn't much room for the gender, for for non-binary gender because it is so archetypical. The cards are really based in archetypes and symbolism. so we don't have much space uh, for, for those gray areas sometimes, which can be frustrating. But I always like to remind folks that even if we see a gender on a card, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is reflective of a gender in your experience or your life or your existence. Sure. Um, and those, those four suits that we have in our minor arcana correspond to our four elements. And so we've got fire, water, air, and earth that correspond to our um our suits so i know that's a lot of information very quickly but i just like to share that to show that there is a structure here these are not just like you know a bunch of random cards thrown together there yeah. is intention and purpose behind them okay all Do right need a drum roll or anything no oh, okay. but well sure if you want to right, but uh <laughs> the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna cut these these cards so oh. I'm going to roll through this here okay. and you are going to tell me when to stop. Okay. Oh, wait. There we go. Okay. Great. Okay. So you're asking about being on the right path for your life and your track and, and, and just are you are you where you want are to be? Are certain doors going to open that I'm looking uh, to open? All right. So I want to connect with more people. Great. So we've got, I don't know why yes and no came for me, but that's what we're, that's where we are. So for our first card, your yes card, here we have the 10 of wands. And this is a pretty dark card. Um, There's, you know, it's almost all black. It is black and white. It's almost all black. We see the very faintly, the shadows of 10 wands in here. And our wands are our fire. So that's our passion, our drive, our creativity, the stuff that lights you up, that gets you out of bed in the morning. And the Ten of Wands is often about releasing the stuff that's not yours, Mm. letting go and dropping all of the sticks that you've gathered because they're not yours to carry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about releasing... Or it's about it's a that there's like a weight that you're carrying mm. that needs to be released. Yep, I would agree with that. This card is actually upside down, which is kind of hard to tell, but it is. And there's something in tarot called uh, an inversion or uh, a reversal, where we see a card upside down. And some people like to think of that as like the inverse expression of a card. So we would say that this is about picking something up, right? But I think that there are multiple ways you can interpret that. One of them is that it's the internal expression of the card. So it has more to do with your own relationship with self than it does with the outside world. Sometimes it's something that needs to be dropped from your life. So, that, you know, that's why I was saying, like, it's time to drop anything yep. that, you know, any... I think maybe expectation or, um, you know, like belief that it has to be this one way that that stuff that we were talking about earlier, that the universe yeah. knows better than we do, mm-hmm. you know, that there's like, there's some of that in this and, the, and having that faith that yeah you are on that path on that for yourself. Yeah. It is happening. Swimming in my river. 
Is it resonating for you? Yeah, I mean, there's always junk uh, for sure to sift through and, and release. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all carry so much crap because of our chattering brains that yep. tells us certain narratives which are almost never true or accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have the garbage from childhood and then we have the garbage from the news. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a wonder any of us are half sane. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, always letting go and... It's funny, once you started mentioning this, I saw myself, so we were talking about river before, mm -hmm. myself swimming in the river. Mm -hmm. Just going downstream, just swimming. The river's mm -hmm. going, but I'm just swimming along. Yep. Yeah. Um, so right. Yeah. Be, be, and so there's something so powerful of that because that is a great visualization about being in flow, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. this is sort of saying like, don't build the dam. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like actually deconstruct the dam yeah right like right. The, this could be the 10 sticks that the beaver put there and Don't it's like no, we, need to, we need to deconstruct that dam yeah. so that we can flow in that river yeah yeah makes sense i like it so that's our yes card all right what's the next one what do you got our no card Ooh, the father right. of swords is that good so our swords that's air so that has anything to do with the mind that's you know mental state knowledge wisdom but it's also communication, technology, language. Um, you know, it can also have to do with ideas and beliefs. And the father is the, the king say father energy. of what? Swords. Uh, of swords. So it's an owl with a sword. With a yes. So sword. this this deck, the wild unknown, is all animal imagery rather okay. than humans. So we won't see any humans in this deck. Okay, that's all right. And the swords, the air element, is represented by owls. Okay. And so we can see in black and white, and again, a very dark background for our owl uh, that sort of fades into some light below him. And he's holding in his talons a sword that is kind of shifts in a rainbow pattern from the hilt being, you know, the purple and the blues and the greens. And then we get into the actual blade of the sword, which is yellow, orange, and red at the tip. And we can see that this is... The sort of the look in the eyes here, we can see that like this guy's not messing around. He knows how to use this sword and he knows how to use it very well. Yeah. And so I think there's something always in the king energy that's very, despite the fact that we see that this is a bird, there's very grounded energy here. You know, this is mm -hmm. like deep knowledge as to how to use the resources that are available to you whether they're mental resources, whether they're your language, whether it's your ability to write um, or communicate or write, like there's something, there's something in that. Makes and this sense. is interesting that this is our no card. What does that mean in the no card? Well, you know, the, the, I was, I was feeling two cards in this pool, right? A yes and a no. <laughs> and so for me, I think it means that like, that perhaps the, there could be more in this wielding of your res your mental resources. Oh, there's more that you, yeah, that you've like barely scratched the surface. That like, mm. no, you haven't done enough with yeah. this resource that's available yeah. to you. More, more continues to be revealed as mm -hmm. ideal and expand. Yeah, right. Sure. As and also as you drop the shit that's not yours. Sorry if I'm not. Shit that's not Sorry yours. Leave me. Um, but that like, could be the name of the show, <laughs> shit that's not yours. Drop it, drop it, the you know, anything that's not yours and yeah. let that go. And then, like, start tapping into this ability yeah. that you have to use your mind, to use your language, to use your knowledge, your communication, the technology that's available to you, yeah. and like really dive in and see what's possible. Um, yeah, because it's saying that, like, you there's no, there's more to it, yeah. I would say scratching the surface. I, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm healed. Eureka. <laughs> Emily, this has been so much fun. Thank you for doing that. Thank so you. what did you say? You call you didn't call yourself a a self-preneur entrepreneur. You called yourself something else. A solopreneur. A solopreneur. Okay. Mostly just me. Yeah. I do have an assistant. She's incredible. I, I could not do anything that I do without her. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the two of us. So Mostly it's, solo. It's a pretty lean, pretty lean yeah. crew around here. And what is it you're, I'm sorry, what is it you're, you're doing now professionally? You're, you're not a publicist. Anymore. Well, I'm, I'm 
I'm figuring it out. I'm about wow. to go to Columbia to get my master's in um, a program called Spirituality Mind Body Institute, which I'm wow. very excited about. Wow, it should be, yeah. Yeah, it's the first Ivy League program of its kind, and it studies the science of spirituality. Wow. So I'm thrilled about that. Um, and that uh, starts a little this summer, but then classes proper in the fall. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I'm, I'm working with Disney on some of their Broadway tours and figuring out, I, I do really have a passion about helping people figure out how to tell their own stories. Hmm. So I think I'm going to focus a bit on that as well as I sort of go through this next couple of years of, of getting my master's and figuring out what's on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, because I, I really like talking to people and helping them sort of like figure out their headline. You know, I, I can call myself a recovering Broadway publicist turned tarot reader. I can call myself an Ivy League witch, right? Like I have these sort of quippy things that I can, yeah. right? Like I, I know how to do that from all the years yeah. of doing the PR thing. Yeah. So I find more joy in helping people figure out how to talk about what they're doing. So I'm hoping to do more of that. Well, it's curious because I've been sort of working more with a branding guy lately, authenticity, mm -hmm. earnestness. Um, and uh, that's the key to, to the piece for everyone is yep. what is your authentic self and living that and bringing that to the world? Because that's that's right. the interdependence. That's where the world moves forward. Mm -hmm. And then I think the part that I'm really interested in is helping people figure out how to tell the world about it. Yeah. You know, once they kind of know what that thing is with themselves, then mm -hmm. how do we talk about it? How do we find the language yeah. for it? Yeah. And sometimes it is through the tarot, which can be really exciting, too. Yeah. So, Emily, if people want to find you, where can they find you? On the Internet, I mostly hang out at my own website, which is emilymcgillentertainment.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. I send a weekly tarot card pull. So, you know, a tarot card to sort of think on for the week. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram at Emily Ann MCG. That's Emily Ann Ann and E M C G. Well, I got to say, it's been so much fun speaking to you today. Uh, anything you want to close with any little tidbit you want to throw out there to the world? You know, I think I already said it, but the universe knows better than I or any of us ever will. Yeah. And I try and yeah. remind myself that of, that daily. I was having a funny conversation with a friend of mine uh, yesterday and he said, Oh, it, it, it happened. Everything happens for a reason. I'm like, yeah, but we don't know what that reason is half the nope. time. Nope. So. We certainly don't. <laughs> anyway, it's been such a pleasure. You have a great day. Okay. Thank you too. Be well. Thank you for listening to The Douglas Robbins Show. To find out more about Douglas and his books, check out douglasrobbinsauthor.com.